Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy Andrews, and with me as always... A man as German as winning on penalties, it's Lewis Tonis. That's right, guys. We are back with a Bundesliga-heavy episode this week. Obviously, the FA Cup had a round of matches, so there wasn't all too much to talk about in the Premier League. Although, let's not forget to mention the Premier League did have two matches. One definitely worth noting with that comeback by Arsenal against West Ham. But then we move over to the Bundesliga, where we're going to talk all things Bayern, all things Dortmund, all things Frankfurt, and also all things Berlin slash Leverkusen. And without further ado, let's hop straight into it. Should we start with the Premier League? Oh, go on then. I what a game. That's, that's just like advertising the Premier League, isn't it? 3-0 up. I mean, come on, West Ham. You're 3-0 up against Arsenal. That Arsenal team is not capable of doing comebacks. I mean, obviously, I say that. They've gone and just done exactly that. But, you know, they, they don't seem the team that have it in them. No. It's really weird, though, because Callum Chambers got man of the match. And he was quite good going forward. But at the back, nothing special. But then again, no one in that. Arsenal team is like this is going to sound a bit like um, like I'm being a bit sour but you know Arsenal fans just because Kieran Tierney doesn't wear a long sleeve shirt when it's cold doesn't mean he's the best left back in the league I think that's that is like the perfect way to put that I <laughs> I, I look at that Arsenal team and there is genuinely no one that I would take you know, one of their best players since January, Martin Odegaard, isn't even their own player. Yeah. Says it all when a loan player on loan is your best player and becomes your, your focal point when it comes to attacking play. And as hard as it is for me to praise David Moyes, I think it needs to be done because going forward, they are just a different beast. Yeah, talk about a signing that has had immediate impact in Jesse Lingard. I think he's Jesse Lingard was a weird one because the summer 2018, he went to that World Cup with England. It was absolutely outstanding the season before that. So 17, mm. 18, he was absolutely unreal. But and people were like, well, why didn't he play? Why didn't he? Well, because he had a bit of a dip after the World Cup. And then United signed Fernandez, And it's like, well, he wants to play number 10. He doesn't want to play out wide. And as good as he has been for West Ham, he was never going to get in ahead of Bruno, I don't think. But it is nice to see him playing well and scoring. Yeah, I mean, to talk about scoring. This season, he's now up to five goals and two assists in the last seven matches that he's played for West Ham. So... 
hats off to him. And I think the scout that picked out Thomas Socek probably deserves some sort of statue outside West Ham. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And we'll ignore the fact that he did score an own goal yesterday. It wasn't really an own goal, though. No, it's fact, counted, it was isn't it? changed from a Lacazette goal to an own goal. Okay, I'll give I'll give you that, but but uh, I thought I'd just add it for contrast after you started praising him. You know, just because we love a little bit of negative energy on here, we do. <laughs> but that's that's the thing. I I don't fully understand what happened because West Ham this season they've had this ridiculous defensive run. Oh yeah, of like barely conceding, and then you know Craig Three. Dawson's now got two own goals in his last two games. <laughs> That's just not a statistic you want as a centre back. <laughs> God damn, <laughs> the poor kid's probably scoring more for uh, more on his own net than he has done for West Ham. Well, that's the thing. I think there are certain players that there's a reason they don't start for West Ham. So when people moan, when West Ham fans, especially when they moan about Saeed Ben Rama not getting a start. It's because yeah. he doesn't track back as much as someone like a Gerard Bowen. I mean, he got yeah, the he no. got the he got the start today, but it was really noticeable. Like most of Arsenal's joy came down that side. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. And something it it doesn't bug me, but it would annoy me if I was an Arsenal fan. Was after the game, West Ham's full-time tweet was the points shared, full stop. And Arsenal had like, you know, oh, what a comeback. And then they put like an Odegaard and a, and a Lacazette appreciation tweet. It's like, come on, man. This is Arsenal, supposedly one of the big six, which they're not anymore. You know, gassing up a 3-3 draw against West Ham. Like they've just won the Champions League. Okay, but here's the thing: you say that you know, officially, officially they're still part of the Big Six, but now, not so much. It's almost as if West Ham and Arsenal have kind of switched roles because I think in an ideal world, at least for Arsenal fans, anyway, you'd have Arsenal and uh, gunning for top four, maybe you know switching between top four and Europa League, right? Because yeah. let's face it, that's where West Ham right now are. They, they're they're fifth. They're only two points behind Chelsea, but they were for a time also in the top four. So that's where Arsenal technically want to be and should be, if we're being honest. So I'd say they've kind of switched roles because West Ham are usually the club that are around ninth or tenth. Usually, anyway. So if West Ham had gotten a three-all draw out of being down 3-0 against Arsenal and the roles were reversed... West Ham would have put out the same tweets. And I think we just now have to also accept the fact that Arsenal are going to be putting out those tweets because they're just not in the bracket of the top six clubs anymore. And for them, that is a big win. As sad as it sounds to say. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The established top six is United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, and Man City. Yeah. But I think... You definitely have to give Leicester a seat at the table. Yeah, and 
I'd, I'd say I'd say almost that Leicester have kind of kicked Arsenal off the top four because Leicester have now over the last five years arguably shown a better performance than Arsenal have. I mean, it's kind of easy because Leicester in comparison to Arsenal have won a freaking title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Arsenal fans. I, You're West not Ham, there anymore. <laughs> West Ham this season, it's a bit of an anomaly. Like every yeah, season, yeah. there's that weird team. Like last season, it was Sheffield United when they were like fifth. Yeah, but they ended up what finishing eighth at the end of the season, something like that. But you know, there'd be still an, an anomaly for that for them to yeah, be there. Yeah. And I think West Ham next season, people are going to come in for their players. There'll be some falling out. They won't buy properly. Someone's probably going to swoop in and try and get Jesse Lingard again this summer because they've all all of a sudden realized, oh, maybe he's not that bad. It'll come back home. (laughs) Imagine that. He just takes like half a season hiatus and then he's like, oh, do you know what, guys? I'm going to head back to United. No biggie. Well, that's the thing. He looks completely rejuvenated. It's like a new player. Yeah, we've said this so often on this podcast that the guy is more or less like a best description I can think of is like a talent that is just he still he still seems like a talent in waiting, you know, waiting to show his full potential. But you know, now the guy is twenty eight. Like he seems to have never progressed from like age twenty one, twenty two onwards. Like he's always been stuck at that same level. Like unbelievably talented player, but just not showing it anywhere near enough consistency wise to be able to play in one of the top six clubs regularly. Yeah, I'd say that's probably fair. Sad, yeah. but fair. Well, but should we move on to the Bundesliga? Because there's so much to talk about. I was going to say, can we stop the David Moyes love fest? Yeah. yeah. Making th- me think, feel nauseous. Uh, exactly. The bias is coming back. Um, I think we'll start with, with, with the seven goal fiesta in Frankfurt because... Six goals in the first 45 minutes. What? What? Get out of here. Come on. That is just, that is, we said there was advertising done for the Premier League with that, you know, three nil, three all draw at the end. If that's not advertising the Bundesliga, six goals in 45 minutes. I mean, Jesus. It's more than a goal every nine minutes, boys. It just exploded. I think. When you concede, when each team concedes in the first 10 minutes, it probably sets the the tone for the game. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'd argue, though, that that goal that Union did score to make it one all, um, that shouldn't have counted. Because if you take a look at Makoto Haziba's leg, I mean, the guy literally went studs up into his thigh and he was bleeding from the challenge. And this was in the run-up to... Uh, Union's counterattack that finished in a goal. And I don't know how the referee or the VA and the VIR both missed it. Uh, it's baffling to me because I mean, he's literally bleeding from his thigh. Like VAR at the very least should have gone and said, you know what, have a look at that. I run out of things to say about VAR because, yeah, you'd like to think they've got players safety and players best interests at heart with tackles like that but at the same time unless it's a head injury there is no need for the referee to stop the game 
There's no need for a player to kick the ball out. Yeah, but I mean, the guy literally had his legs bleeding, man. He's got six stud puncture marks in his freaking thigh. Yeah, but in the flow of the game, though. Well, yeah, I get that, but in but this is but what I'm saying is, afterwards, in hindsight, that's what the VAR is for. Yeah, yeah, it should should have been disallowed. But I think a big, I don't know, it's a difficult one. I think it should have. I think I agree with how it was used. I think it probably should should have stood. Really? Okay. There's a disagree to disagree moment on the 50 plus one football podcast. We don't have those all the time. <laughs> but for a team that can beat Bayern Munich, but then lose to Werder Bremen and then draw with Stuttgart, it is just the perfect game to sum up Frankfurt's season. Yeah, I mean, Andre Silva, again, a brace. He's now up to 21 goals. He's this is how underrated he is. Everyone is still shouting about Erling Haaland. He is level on goals in the Bundesliga with Erling Haaland at 21 in 26 games. That is stupid. For a player who arguably many people viewed as a really AC Milan reject. And everyone was like, oh, why have they gone and traded uh Ante Rebic for Andre Silva. I mean, how good is Andre Silva really? And I think no one's missing Ante Rebic at all at this point. Can't get the AC Milan team some weeks. Exactly. I think it's probably fair to say, as good as Lewandowski is, he's probably ruining a few ruining a few careers at the moment. <laughs> because if he wasn't scoring like thirty eight goals a season, a lot more people would be talking about Andre Silva. There'd be a lot more hype around him being the top scorer in one of Europe's major leagues. And coming from more or less nowhere. Coming, Yeah, coming from relative obscurity. Can we also appreciate the fact that Portugal have one of these most stacked teams ever? Just imagine being able to boast of Diogo Jota, Andre Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo... Bruno Fernandes, all in your either center attacking mid or striker positions. That is stupid. Oh, and that's not even it. You also got Joao Felix in there. I was going to say, you've got, you've got Joao Felix in there. At the, you know, you've got Rui Patricio in goal, Ruben Diaz at the back. Jesus Christ. Joao Moutinho, who's been doing a sensational job for Wolves. I mean, he is literally their rock in midfield. Danilo Pereira, Ruben Neves. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't even remind me. I mean, if that Portugal team doesn't win at least the Euros this this year or the World Cup the year after, they're doing something majorly wrong because that team is that team is more stacked than the France World Cup winning team. And that team was already insane. That's a very, very bold shout. Come on, let's be real. The only reason you're saying that is because there was an Mbappe in that team. Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann. Yeah, but then I can just name you right off the bat. Diogo Jota, Joao Felix, Bruno Fernandes. Oh, this is very true. Ronaldo. Ren- yeah, Ronaldo may be the best player to ever play the game. Like, uh... Yeah, okay. I really can't argue with that. Portugal have an 
unreal amount of talent coming through right now. Jesus. But coming back to Frankfurt, they're doing a very good job of keeping themselves in the top four. And now they're four points ahead of Dortmund because Dortmund, and we'll get to that in a sec, managed to drop points this, uh, this weekend. It would be sensational for Frankfurt to get into the Champions League, especially right after they'd have that, they'd have that or had that sensational Europa League run a couple of seasons ago. Well, that's the thing. I think if you look at the table, they're four points off of Wolfsburg and they're four points off of Dortmund. I think the only way that they ruin this is if they're the architecture of their own downfall. If they lose games to Werder Bremen, if they draw against teams like Stuttgart, place, you know, mid-table teams that they really should be having the firepower to batter. Yeah, yeah. You know, Andre Silva, Luka Jovic, Filip Kostic, they should be putting five away more often. Oh, easy, easy. Speaking of Dortmund. Hold on, before we move on to that, can we just, just as a last, uh, last little thing about Frankfurt, if you had told anyone who was a Frankfurt supporter in 2016, so the year Freddie Bulbic took over as sporting director, and he's arguably the architect of Frankfurt's unreal run from near, near regulation to where they are now. If you told a Frankfurt supporter in 2016, you know, they just finished 16th. They were in the relegation playoff spot, three points above relegation. If you told them, by the way, boys, you're going to be in, you're going to be winning the DFB Pokal in 2018 against Bayern in the final, no less. The season afterwards, you're going to have an unreal run in the Europa League, make it all the way to the semifinals and only narrowly lose to Chelsea in a penalty shootout at Stamford Bridge. And then 2021, you're going to be playing Champions League. You would have been laughed out of the room. Fair enough. I think, yeah, it's a it's a mad, mad rise. And I think, personally, when the, I thought when they got rid of Jovic, I thought it was just going to go downhill. They've compensated him well, and they've got him back for arguably. The Pennies best on the, deal yeah. that they pro- they possibly could have done because they've still made profit, even yeah. if they Pennies, take that option to buy him back. Pennies on the dollar would basically what the is go as the saying goes. Also, just looking at the table after the 2015-16 season in the Bundesliga, you know the top four fairly standard: Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen, Gladbach. But then this will this will really surprise you. Schalke fifth, mm-hmm. Mainz sixth. Hertha Berlin seventh. Those three clubs in the current table are battling relegation slash are more or less relegated. What the hell is going on? That's ridiculous. Who did Hertha Berlin even have in 2016? I don't even know. I really don't know. Ronnie? What a player. Ronnie. What a boy. Jesus Christ. Solomon Kalou. Oh, he's decent, you know. It was after he left Chelsea, though, wasn't it? Mental. Oh, my days. But 
I think we should probably move on to. I mentioned about Frankfurt being the architects of their own downfall. I think this season Dortmund could set up their own firm. <laughs> it is. It's so so depressing. You you just have to appreciate the fact that without Erling Haaland, Dortmund would easily be. I don't even know. Tenth, if that. Without Erling Haaland, they'd only have 30-something goals to their name. Yeah, they'd be around 12th, 13th. That is, that's obscene. Exactly. Because Bremen have scored 31 goals. Augsburg has scored 27. But Hoffenheim already have 40. And Dortmund only have 54 goals to the name. And 21 of those Erling Haaland scored. Without Erling Haaland, they'd be on 33 goals. Sitting on 12th, yeah. Fuck. He is a looks like he was made in a lab. He is their lifeline right now. He obviously he puts them ahead, and then Dortmund still managed to bottle it for lack of a better word, get a penalty or against them 35th minute, 65th minute, they get they concede again, and it takes them till the 90th plus three. Now, nah, okay, the 90th minute for Erling Haaland to bag the equalizer. Like, really at the death. I think, before we talk about that, I think it's probably worth mentioning, it definitely is worth mentioning, that what happened to Jude Bellingham afterwards is disgusting. Like, okay. Unbelievable. It just doesn't stop. Like, we've done so many things on this podcast where we have, where we speak about, you know, awareness about bullying on social media and then racist uh, abuse on social media. It is unbelievable. How are we having another discussion again? It's the, it's easily got to be like our 10th episode where we have to mention this. That's, that's the thing. Dortmund give off this vibe of being like some ridiculously inclusive family club and yet that happens but those people I've said it before they're not fans they're just thugs but disgusting it's disgusting and I say two people sat in front of microphones and laptops can't really do much apart from just bring awareness to it it's like what happened to Glenn Kamara when Rangers played Slavia Prague yeah yeah like and and the club are trying to like brush it under the carpet and say like oh well, all he went up to him and says like oh you guy he's like well if he's no play someone doesn't react to that if, if someone comes up to them and says that no, no. but it won't change because you wait for a spineless but in reality Slavia Prague should be kicked out of the Europa League yeah see that would be a solid message if there is any racist abuse by fans of your club and I say fans in quotation marks fans of your club if there is racist abuse directed at other players from fans of your club then you should just be kicked out of the competition and then all of a sudden maybe you'd have more of a reaction because if you don't make the if you don't really make the consequences hurt then you're not going to achieve anything because these people are literally like they, they're so immature and they're so stunted in their development that they obviously need the most rudimentary methods to be taught a lesson. Get, you know, slap the club, make it so bad that the clubs themselves 
warn against it and take so much action against it that it is not possible. Because if the clubs get kicked out of a competition because some dumbass decides to mouth off and throw rate and hurl racist abuse at a player for no good reason whatsoever, then then just then make it a consequence for the club. Because the club, if the club sees that and it's like, oh, okay, if we get kicked out because some idiot is going to mouth off, then we're going to take action and make sure that there is absolutely no way that anyone is going to be able to mouth off like that. Because it's unbelievable. The racial abuse that is, that is still being suffered by players today, it just shouldn't be happening. And it's got no place in this sport whatsoever. Well said. But if we can talk about Dortmund on a on a you know a lighter Sport, note on a sporting on a sporting level, yeah, I don't understand Dortmund as a team because you have to can, question their mentality. Well, that's the thing. Do you? Because they can go and do what they did to Sevilla and completely outclass them and play them off the pitch, things like that, and then go and draw. Barely draw two all with Cologne. When you've got people like Gio Reyna, Julian Brandt, possibly Mo Dehoud. Jude Bellingham, I'd Jude argue. Jude Bellingham. I've got no idea who Ansgar Naff is, but that is a pretty German name. Ansgar Knauf. Jesus. No, nah, he I, he's a he's a product of their of their youth academy. He's born in 2002. It makes me feel so old. That makes me feel but like yeah. man. Yeah. Well, I mean, not as much as when Yusuf Amukoko, who now has, at this point, two or three Bundesliga goals, I believe. And he's born in the year 2004. That makes me feel sick. Right? He's seven years younger. Oh, Jesus Christ. But if, if they play against Man City that they've got in the Champions League draw, Play against Man City like they did today. The tie will be over in the first like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> if that. Probably fi- if City would probably finish them off in the first 10 if they play like that. Well, that's the thing. There's all that talk is like, oh, it's it's Haaland and Sancho at City. Well, well, okay, well, Haaland's never played for Man City. His dad used to. And Sancho has and, played maybe two games for the youth. And Sancho's injured, so he might not even make the <laughs> the first leg. Yeah, and that'd be a problem for Dortmund, definitely, because you know, as we saw today, they needed Haaland to score, and Haaland only could score at the beginning and the very end. So, in between that, there are still about eighty odd minutes where other players need to produce. And I mean, at this point, I can completely understand why Haaland is walking off the pitch after scoring an equalizer. You know, raging for lack of a better word, because. He's the only player who's doing his bit. He's scoring two goals. He's, if he keeps scoring two or three goals a game and Dortmund still managed to screw it up, at that point, you really have to be saying, you know, is Erling Haaland going to fall under the same blame or the same category as all the rest of the Dortmund players when people are looking at the Dortmund team and being like, well, they screwed up massively because there's one player who's doing his job. That's the thing. That leads into the to the other conundrum is as much as Dortmund want to keep uh, Erling Haaland and they want to keep Jaden Sancho 
and as much as they might want to stay at Dortmund, the pair of them, I think a season without Champions League for those two players is massive. I yeah, I think Dortmund, if they don't make Champions League this season, those two players are gone at the in the summer transfer window. Because you're not going to let Erling Haaland, you know, declass the Europa League. That's just like taking a beast and putting him in a cage. Like, well, that's the thing. If if they got Europa League football, which they probably will, and they managed to keep Haaland, you gotta say probably completely dominate that entire league. But then again, it's beneath him because he's doing the same thing in the Champions League. I was about to say, arguably, he's better than 99% of the strikers in the Champions League already. So he's already proven that he is a player of the top level. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that Haaland and Mbappe are on the same level playing-wise. The same level, like, obviously, they're different players. But in terms of their effectiveness and what they can do on a pitch and how they can influence a game, those two are on the same level. And should also have the same price tag, if we're being honest. I still think I still think Holland just costs more because he's playing in a tougher league. I still don't buy the French yeah. league at, at all. Yeah, yeah. But one last thing, and I don't know whether you know more about this than me or not, but I can't fathom the thought process of a man in Edin Terzic where he would still continue to play Marvin Hits over Roman Berkey. Yeah, uh, I think I think you're there with like 99% of all football fans in general because it's not like Goldman Berkey's injured or anything. But that's the thing. Like Marvin Hitz is not even backup goalkeeper internationally. He's a third goalkeeper he's for Switzerland. third choice Swiss goalkeeper. Funnily enough, he's behind Roman Berkey at number two and Jan Zoma at number one. My point exactly. It's ridiculous. And okay, yeah, there were no goalkeeping mistakes in this game, but a good goalkeeper can easily gain you a good 15, 20 points a season. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you've got like a top-notch goalkeeper, like top-five goalkeeper. It's just, it makes your life so much easier. And the thing is, no one really looks at it because everyone's like, oh, all about the goals. I mean, it's the same deal with when you look at, you know, player of the year or uh, yeah, Ballon d'Or player of the year. Everyone always looks at the people who score the most goals. And it's much the same with goalkeepers. Uh, or when you look at the goalkeepers and how many points they actually get you, because it's, they go, or they're very, they're severely underrated when it comes to looking at how much effect a goalkeeper has on the point standings. Many people just are like, ah, okay, the goalkeeper is just there to make the good saves and whatnot. And that's it. Ridiculous. But Last thing on Dortmund before we move on. Yeah. There's a player on the bench on Saturday called Tobias Rascal, which might be my favourite name of a footballer ever. Even better than Elvis Rechbichai. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> oh, we'll put them up there together in the uh, same bracket. Definitely. But you said uh, you, you said it so nicely. You'd take Haaland over Mbappe because Mbappe is doing it in the French League. Now we're going to talk about a man who... Definitely is not getting the clout or the respect he deserves because he's arguably doing it in a farmer's league in the German league. And that's Robert Lewandowski. 
he's at 35 goals in 24 matches for Bayern this season. I'm speechless because this guy, I think there's no doubt in my mind now, he is the best number nine of all time. He's, he's better than Suarez by country mile. He's better than Ibrahimovic. He's definitely better than Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic, stone cold striker. Yes, I know. And he does acrobatic stuff and all that. But never ever has Ibrahimovic gone on track to break a record that has stood for 50 years in one of the, t- in one of the toughest leagues. Like, yes, he's scored a fair amount in the Premier League, but the rest of the leagues he's played in Spanish League, French League, Italian League. Mm. I, yeah, okay. It's very hard to argue with any of that. It really is. But I would argue that he is getting the clout he deserves now because a lot of people have started to recognize and jump on this hype train that he's conducted. Fair enough, fair enough. Although, because I'm like some sort of reaper of football, <laughs> it would be really funny to me if he finished the season on 39 goals. God damn. It See, the thing is, I, so gonna... funny. Final game of the season, if he hit the post like four times. I mean, here's the thing. I don't even think it's going to take him till the final season of the uh, final season of this, the final season, take him till the final match of the season for him to break the record. Because right now he is, he only needs five goals and he's still got six matches. No, six matches. He's still got seven matches to do this. He's got seven matches to score five goals. And this is Robert Lewandowski we're talking, we're talking about. The guy just bagged a hat trick, a perfect hat trick, no, no less. One left foot, one right foot, one head within the span of half an hour. Point, okay, point point made. The uh, the opposition retracts that last statement, Your Honor. <laughs> and I okay, I'm gonna say he's he will only be considered the best number nine of all time if he does does actually end up breaking the the fabled forty goals in one season. You also have to appreciate the fact that Get Müller did this before the offside rule came into effect. So basically, we can kind of detract more than half of those goals. Let's be honest. I'd say half is a little bit generous, but, uh, you know, like a solid 10, probably. And especially in a game where it started horrendously. Oh, it couldn't have gone any worse. And I'm going to hold my hands up right now. What Davies did, that is a solid red. That, that I already said it when I looked at the replays. I was already like, damn, he got away with a yellow for that. I mean, he, he full-on studs up right into the ankle way too late on the challenge. I'm surprised Endo didn't didn't get stretchered off after that challenge. I mean, it was a horrendous challenge. Fully deserved the red card. Before we talk about Lewandowski and the perfect hat-trick and how unbelievably amazing Bayern Munich are, uh, just a quick one on. I'm gonna butcher this so bad. 
Silas Wamangatuka. That's pretty decent, actually. Thank you very much. I did a language A level. A level? I did a language GCSE, don't you know? Oh, oh. It was French, but that's by the by. (laughs) Such promise. 21 years of age. And he's ruptured his ACL. That hurts every football fan. It really does. I mean, he did it and he it was in a like he was running toward the touchline trying to get across in, and it was more or less without any challenge by the opposition. Like he more or less it was just a misstep and immediately goes down and holds his knee. It's just you don't want to see it. it. Like the worst injuries are always the ones that are without any, you know, outside contact yeah when they go down with no one else around them that's when you know it's bad yeah and i, th- I think it might have been last week or i mentioned about michael owen yeah Did yeah the same thing and he ended up playing the rest of his career on a third of his power out of fear of doing it again i hope that doesn't happen to vama gituka because i I didn't think I would say it, but he outpaced Davies. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> right. So wishing a very speedy recovery. If you're listening, Silas, which you know, we know you we know you are. We got your back, bro. On a on a lighter note, it doesn't surprise me that Stuttgart conceded for when they have Arsenal Loney, Constantinas Mavroponas. At the back. It's just okay. an excuse to dig at Arsenal, and I love it. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you have that one. But I think we have to... Okay, here's here's the question I'm going to ask you, because, you know, as obviously I will uh, always be viewing the game with as much as I want, I don't want to, but I'll always be viewing the game with a little bit of bias. Were Bayern that good, or Stuttgart that bad? I'm going to say it and it's just going to make you feel like 10 times better about the whole situation. I think it was more of a case like there were no obvious mistakes. There were no, oh my God, this is just going to be an absolute route. I thought it was going to be like a 2-1 or something like that, but a, a perfect hat trick in 22 minutes is ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about the guy who scored five and nine. So uh, yeah, this is true. If you listen to the intro, <laughs> you know, that's where my favorite picture of all time comes from. Pep head in head on his hands on his head. Like sort of like, what is going on? Disbelief. He didn't even start that game. He came on at halftime, arguably cold. Okay. I've got a question for you. Uh-huh. Genuinely. How long do you think he'll keep the, keep this up? The guy's aging like a fine wine. I mean, he's really, he really seems like Ronaldo or Ibrahimovic. Like, remember what Ronaldo was doing at 33. I, I'd say uh, this season, if he breaks the Get Miller record, might then be you know the pinnacle of what he of what he will achieve. But then again, we said that last season. Yeah, so, that's, that's the thing. I said I said in the like the season review, like team of the season episode. I don't think this season would be as good as last. And 
arguably it's better because he's not missed yeah. that prolonged period he had out. I mean, who knows what he would have done if the season had been finished normally last season. But I think this season, yeah, there's no two there's no two opinions about it. Like you can't it's just it is just so much better of a season. I'm going to make a soft prognosis that he maybe keeps us up for another year, but then after that kind of tapers off. But I mean, at this point, who knows? Because the guy is just getting better and better with age. Like he said, like me compared to when I was 26 and already at 26, you know, at 26, he was banging them for Dortmund and for Bayern, like no one's business. I mean, at 26, he nailed four pass around Madrid. So arguably already a pretty freaking good striker. And he said, me, com- me now compared to when I was 26, different gear, two different players. And he has no intentions of stopping anytime soon. So I, what he has in store for us, got no clue. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ballon d'Or winner this year. Oh, yeah. If, if anyone else gets it, that, it, that'd be a crime. Like He may be the first player to repeat the best player in the world trophy two seasons in a row since Ronaldo or Messi. Or, I mean, alternatively, they could just cancel it again. Yeah, okay, but if France football canceled the Ballon d'Or a second time in a row, everyone would just be like, well, it's obviously because France football are bum-licking Ronaldo and Messi. I mean, we already know this because I canceled it last year, and there was absolutely no reason to do so. But anyways, I've said my piece about that. I just want to quickly touch before we move on from Bayern because, you know, we've had a little Lewandowski love fest right now on this podcast. But how much does that match also change your perception of who is favorites for the Champions League title? I don't think it does because, well, that's the thing. My my favorites for the title were PSG and Bayern for the Champions League. Yeah, okay, fair enough. They're now in the quarterfinal draw. By the way, you know, UEFA have, have screwed the pooch on that and drawn them against each other in the quarters. So we're kind of being robbed of something better down the line. Yeah, and and Man City versus Bayern can't happen in the final because that can meet only each other in the, in the semis. semis. Yeah. So it's like, why have you done that? It's just going to be the most ridiculously one sided final. Probably, yeah. Because what's the, what's the other side? You've got Real Chelsea Madrid, and Porto and, and Real Madrid, Madrid and Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, All teams. Real Madrid. That... Oh, you get revenge for that being cheated out of it at the Bernabeu. Or it could be Bayern versus Chelsea. Get revenge for the for the 2012 disaster. I would love that even more. <laughs> no bias whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Speaking as a as a professional here. I meant in terms Definitely. of football. Football's the real winner. Yeah. Okay, but but if we're being honest, which team out of any of the teams in the top five leagues this season would you have said could go down to 10 men and still manage to play the opposition against the wall and then some? Man City. And you would still think that Man City could... Because Stuttgart, we have to also remember here, Stuttgart, are, they... They haven't played a bad season. They're eighth, or they were eighth going into this draw. They were very, very good. So arguably, you could have cla- you could have put you know Stuttgart on a level with maybe Everton. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. 
So imagine Man City go down to 10 men against Everton and then in the in the 12th minute. Would you honestly say that Man City would have been able to produce a 4-0 by halftime, one man down against Everton? To be honest, it all depends who they had sent off. If they had their left-back sent off, probably, because Alexander Zinchenko is useless in that team. <laughs> if they'd had anyone else sent off, probably the same for Bayern. I think they were very lucky with who they had sent off. I think if you have anyone else sent off, it pro- even a centre-half, it probably goes a bit differently. Fair enough. But a fullback isn't really a crucial part of anyone's system. Then again, a fullback also, but you know, it's still a man down is a man down. Yeah, I know what you want me to say. You want me to tell you that no other team in Europe other than Bayern could have done Of that. course, but that's my bias. I'm I'm actually asking as an unbiased opinion. Do you like full of like I don't want you to say anything. I'm just like completely unbiased asking. I think on their day, Man City could probably have done it. Fair enough, fair enough. As well as Bayern. Obviously, have done it. <laughs> Should we talk Hertha Berlin? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've, we've praised Bayern enough for, for one day. I've even bigged up Man City and that just I was a little bit sick. Oh, and you're, gonna, you're about to get a little bit sicker because you've got to big up uh, your favourite player, oh. Matteo Ganduzzi. <laughs> God. Why did he have to play so well? (laughs) Got an assist and just a very, very solid performance from probably the first solid performance I've seen him put out in a Hatta Berlin shirt. Let's be real. Yeah. And even then, after the game today, there's all the stuff that comes out in like kicker and various different outlets that he's still got no future at Hertha Berlin. Oh, I doubt that now. That he's if they've got, got the money to spend. Well, that's the thing. He's got no future at Hertha. You probably stretch to think he's got a future at Arsenal. Oh, hell no. Not not when they've got Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey, two players who they've bought for a combined sum of, what is it, 80 million? They spent 50 on Thomas Partey and 35 on Granit Xhaka, no? Christ, I wouldn't spend 35p on Granit Xhaka. That's the thing. At the time, he was probably worth... At the time, I'd argue he's worth it, but... I'd rather have two lump. That's a big shout, because I don't think he's even... He's Has he played in... Has he even played in one of the Europe's top five leagues? He's played in the French league, no? Uh, he plays for Basel. Okay, I take that back then. And also not good enough to play for Switzerland, so he plays for Albania. But that's a little bit awkward. We'll ignore that. I don't know whether it's a case of wanting to praise Hertha Berlin or wanting to sort of like wrap the knuckles of Bayer Leverkusen. <laughs> because they're they're such a good looking team, but they just have no idea. Okay, like a but- team with Florian Verts, with Leon Bailey, Damari Gray. You know, Bellarabi came on, Lucas Solario. Patrick Schick. Nedim Amiri. Like, oh, you sit there and pull even- your hair out. Yeah, but they even managed to put the horsepower on the on the road, so to speak. Because at the end of the first half of the Bundesliga, they were battling for first with Bayern. <laughs> They're no sick. They probably won points behind Bayern. That is obscene. That that drop off. 
it should it, it should arguably be more because some of the teams they've drawn against you thinking how have they dropped points i mean today was another perfect example how do you get how do you concede three goals against Hertha berlin and it's three goals in the first half no less like boggles the mind what's the thing we've spoken about Hertha berlin before they don't have a bad team no, they don't because they've off they've sunk a hundred million into that team in the last transfer window. Yeah, okay. That is kind of pretty bad. But Luca Bacchio, <laughs> Matthias Tuna, Kuna. Kunya, yeah. Kunya. He's a he's a he's a Leipzig product. You know, and they've got Christoph Piatek on the bench as well. It's like John Cordoba. Exactly. It's ridiculous. They even got Sammy Kedira for their midfield, you know? (laughs) This is the sort of performance, this is the sort of result I think people were expecting from them anyway this season when they sank all that money into all these players. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I I don't understand. Bayer Leverkusen very much a similar vein of Dortmund and Frankfurt. I'd even argue that you can take Frankfurt out of that vein now. Because as much as they are always, they can, they may slip up. They haven't slipped up as much as Leverkusen and Dortmund this well, season. No, they're not losing three 0 to Hertha Berlin. Exactly. I mean, they're on fourth, so <laughs> obviously they're doing something better than those two. Hertha Berlin were fifteenth when that game kicked off, and they're still tied on points with Mainz, who are on fifteenth. And they're only two points ahead of Bielefeld, who are 17th. Like, Hertha Berlin could still very much get relegated and not even make the relegation playoff spot this season. That's the thing. That's the who season, Leverkusen lost to. The season could be equally as bad for Bayer Leverkusen, though, because they're only three points off of Freiburg, two points off of Union Berlin. Yeah, yeah. And quite honestly, I could probably see both those teams beating them on their day. Oh, definitely. Berlin have uh, Union Berlin have shown this season that they're basically capable of beating anyone. Even Bayern. Ah, okay, maybe not Bayern, but you know, they've even they've even given Bayern a few headaches in their matches. So it's not it's not like Union Berlin couldn't finish off Leverkusen if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, if we if we ignore the 5-2 hammering that they had at the weekend, I think Union yeah. are probably the strongest other than yeah, I'm going to say it. Union Berlin are probably the strongest outsiders for European football. I think it's a fair assessment. I, I'm gonna, Gladbach, I think we could write off at yeah. this point. Uh, I mean, they're only two points off of off of Union. Yeah, but they're four points off of a, off of a Europa League spot. Mm, and true. They, they, I can't I can't see Stuttgart, Freiburg, Union, and Leverkusen all dropping the necessary points for Gladbach to capitalize. Yeah, because I'm sorry, Leverkusen, I'm sorry, not Leverkusen, but Stuttgart, Freiburg, and Union Berlin have all shown why they deserve to be, you know, knocking at the door of Europa League sp- of Europa League spots. Like they're all teams that are very much capable of making that that sixth place and maybe even the seventh place in a Europa League playoff spot. I'd like to see Union Berlin in... Oh, that'd be great. Imagine that stadium 
18,000 out of 22,000 safe standing section. That stadium in Europe. It's the sort of thing that makes your knees go weak. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Couple that with the yellow wall being in Europa League next season. <laughs> I mean, I've got a soft spot for, for Union Berlin because, you know, me and Max Cruz are best mates. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially especially after that uh, prediction. I'm wearing that like a badge and I'm never letting it go. I'm tempted to add it to my resume CV yeah. and my Tinder bio. <laughs> Please, please do it. Please do that it. would be such a niche thing to put on there, though. I'm sort of like alienating 98% of the people in the world. I was about to say, get get a get a get a girl who's actually going to be able, who's actually going to know a lot about the Bundesliga because usually they'll probably know only about Premier League, and then get a girl who's actually going to know who the hell Max Cruz is. Oh my god! In the UK, you know Max Cruz? It's like yes. <laughs> I predicted his transfer to Union Berlin after he left Fenerbahce. Oh my God, soulmates. I see it coming. Before we wrap up, I want to make one honorable mention, and that has to be Mainz 05. Because Mainz, they looked very much like it would be Schalke and Mainz, like within a point of each other, you know, scrapping for the. 17th place or maybe going for the relegation playoff spot but Mainz in the last five matches have gotten themselves 11 points or 10 points sorry and are now up to 24 points and are 14 points away from Schalke who are last That's that is be, it's not to be sniffed at especially after oh, hell they, no. especially after they got rid of Jean-Philippe Mateta's Crystal Palace yeah, I mean, and we were sitting here thinking, you know, they're basically, they've sealed their own death warrant at this yeah, point. Like, why would you say, you're in the middle of a relegation fight. Why would you sell your top goal scorer? Yeah. But that's, that's the thing, you know, he's, they've, since they've gotten Bo Svensson in as, as manager as well, you got to say, you know, they've, they've drawn with Dortmund in January. Obviously they, they lose to Wolfsburg. Okay. They beat Leipzig 3-2. Lose to Stuttgart, beat Union Berlin, draw with Leverkusen, beat Mönchengladbach, lose to Augsburg, okay, draw with Schalke, also disappointing, beat Freiburg, and now beat Hoffenheim. It would be a shame for that turnaround in form to not be rewarded with safety. Or at least a relegation playoff spot. So basically, you know, like a fight to live another day. See, to me, that still sounds and seems so unfair. Why? Relegation playoff spot is so sick. I think that's so much better than the Premier League. Because in the Premier League, you know, it's just the three at the bottom, cut off, done, ended. But then in Germany, the the league, the season keeps on going with another away home and away leg. You know how much hype goes around that relegation? I watch that every year just to see the scrap that happened. (laughs) Yeah, but then we make the second division fight it out over the course of a two-legged match in a final. Yeah, okay. It's great. You, you may you may have you may have a speed there. You may have a speed. Because there. what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch currently? Would you rather watch Cologne play Greuter Furt? Or would you rather Cologne 
uh, Armenia, Bielefeld, and Schalke all went down. And Greutherford, Holstein Kehl, Dusseldorf, and Karl Schurer. Karlsruhe. That's the one. Would you rather <laughs> Dusseldorf play them, Holstein Kehl play Greutherford over two legs, and then have a massive final in Berlin, the National Stadium in Berlin? I say, that, come over that, to the English way of doing things. That that that's that that sounds tasty. That sounds pretty freaking tasty. Let's see, I mean, okay. let's be real. The only reason that actually happens is because of sponsorship money. Oh, it's it's the most valuable game in football, the championship playoff. Exactly. But that's the thing. It's so incredibly unfair because for Greutherford to be third is an achievement in itself. But then if if Cologne say they go in that third place playoff place. Yeah. Or relegation playoff place. Yeah. Say they decide to, to turn up for those two games after being so dreadful all season. Then you've got another season of Cologne. Yeah, well, that's how that's how Hamburg managed to keep themselves up in the Bundesliga. Like, they literally went and ma- managed to just scrape 16th three years in a row. Oh, they're coming back and up. And stay up. And then they, and then finally they went down because everyone was like, okay, they finally need to go down. They're coming okay, back be, up. Yeah, okay, but let's be real. Falafel Bochum, 48 points, only one point behind Hamburg. And then Gotha Fürth are on 47, only one point behind them, two points behind Hamburg. And Holstein Kiel on fourth are three points behind Hamburg. Anything can happen. That's the magic of the second Bundesliga. Hamburg might be first now, but they might be fifth in two weeks. <laughs> Amazing. Imagine that. That's the thing as well. Between Fortuna Dusseldorf on sixth and Hamburg in first, they're only nine points. Oh my God. There are some great teams in the second Bundesliga. Oh yeah. Hanover 96, Heidenheim, Dusseldorf, Paderborn, FC St. Pauli. Oh. FC Nuremberg. Eintracht Braunschweig, man. Oh, I remember when they were in the Bundesliga. Oh yeah. SV Darmstadt. They also had a stint in the Bundesliga or a stint or two. In the Bundesliga in the last few years. I just want Hamburg to come up because they had Raphael van der Vaart. Can you imagine that they, not only did they have Raphael van der Vaart, but they also had Ruud van Nistelrooy. I know that touches your United heart, doesn't it? That really does. <laughs> Rude. And they had Hakan Shadonoglu as well. Oh, Hamburg had some OP teams back in the day. They were in, they were they were like regulars in the Europa League when um you know end of the 2000s, early 2010s. Well, it was, uh, it was Chad Anoglu who scored that ridiculous free kick from like... 40 yards out, yeah. Yeah, against Dortmund for Hamburg. Ridiculous goal. That was a 3-0 win by Hamburg over Dortmund. And hopefully we'll see it next season. Oh, that's a big prediction. But I think on that note, we'll end it for this week. And I'll say my usual bit. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment on all of our social media pages. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're posting daily content, so make sure you check that out. And then also, depending on where you're listening to us right now, head over to Spotify, Google Podcasts, or our RSS feed and have a listen of our other episodes. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.